Welcome to another edition of 20 Minute Fitness. I'm Martin Kessler and I'm so happy to have you listening. Before we start off, it's time for me to share a few words of wisdom again. Today I've got a quote by famous inventor and entrepreneur Thomas Edison, which is, the doctor of the future will no longer treat the human frame with drugs but rather will cure and prevent disease with nutrition. We may not be quite there, but Edison certainly was ahead of his time, realizing our daily's nutrition's ability to provide long-term benefits beyond its intrinsic nutrient content. I guess another related quote is Benjamin Franklin's, eat to live, not live to eat. The point being is that what we eat matters substantially in determining our long-term health. Without question, our modern food choices have changed substantially from our ancestral diet. Processed foods such as cereals, bread, pizza, snacks, and energy bars have become commonplace and sugar has become the number one food additive. 200 years ago, Americans consumed a mere 4 pounds of sugar a year. Fast forward today, the average consumption has increased more than 25-fold to 105 pounds a year. And that's already down from its peak of 155 pounds back in 1999 at the peak of the epidemic. At the same time, one in two Americans are considered obese obese, not just overweight, obese, and one in three are now either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Without doubt, there's a correlation between the changes in our diet and America's obesity epidemic, which has created an immense pressure on our quality of life and the US healthcare system. With me today is Carlin Rosenblum to discuss why sugar is a problem in our diet and what we can do to fight against the countless temptations that we all face on a daily basis. Carlin is a certified registered dietitian in the state of New York and a member of the American Dietetic Association. Through her work, she has had experience with natural food, community clinical nutrition, and health technology and worked with innovative food and technology companies. Before we move on, a few words about our sponsor ShapeScale. ShapeScale is the world's first 3D body scanning scale that measures and visualizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D, currently in beta testing here in San Francisco and soon available to everyone. More on ShapeScale.com. Hi, Carlin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. And could you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners, telling us a little bit more about your own background? Sure. So my name is Carlin Rosenblum. I am a registered dietitian, and I also have a master's of science in clinical nutrition from New York University. And I am a dietitian in New York City. I have my own private practice where I really help people to understand the connection between food, their lifestyle, and their health. Great. All right. So today's topic is really going to be centered around sugar. And sugar has pretty much become ingrained in the American diet. The average American now consumes about 20 teaspoons or 80 grams of sugar a day. And you walk down a grocery aisle, you will find yourself hard pressed to find any processed foods that do not contain any sugar. Do you think we are facing a sugar epidemic right now? Definitely. I mean, like you said, over 75% of packaged foods contain added sugar. And, you know, something that I really find is true with a lot of my clients, you know, people will say to me, oh, I cut sugar out of my diet. And then in our conversations, we'll find out, oh, well, they're still, you know, consuming things like, you know, flavored Greek yogurt or almond milk or whole grain breads. Um, and these are often sources of hidden added sugar in people's diets that they're very unaware of. And yeah, it's often foods that you would least expect. Like even if you yeah. buy a can of soup, you will find a couple of grams of sugar in there. It's it's surprising. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's really shocking. And so, you know, 
a lot of people don't really understand that even in foods that don't taste sweet, there can still be a lot of hidden added sugars. And on the flip side, I think food manufacturers do understand that, you know, as humans, we have this propensity and this kind of natural preference for foods that are sweet. And so they've actually designed foods, you know, to really play off of that preference and really be addicting to us at the end of the day. Yeah, they've really been engineered to addict us. And I I mean, it makes sense, uh, historically speaking, right? I mean, we're craving sweet foods because we can metabolize Mm -hmm. them quick and we can put on fat, which we could need in, in dire situations like uh, mm-hmm. periods of starvation. But these days, very few of us ever face calorie restriction. It's far from it, actually. It's the opposite. You, you, you walk down uh, the supermarket, it, it's going to be full of high-density calorie foods, and, and, and that makes it really difficult for us to stay healthy. Um, but why do you think sugar is a bad thing? So sugar really, you know, in excess and, you know, something that I kind of wanted to say before, I think the issue too in our country and just, you know, with processed foods in general is the type of sugar that they're adding to our food, right? It's mostly this high fructose corn syrup. Um, And really the research shows that diets that are high in high fructose corn syrup are ones that lead to chronic diseases such as obesity, metabolic syndrome, you know, cardiovascular diseases, and even learning more and more about the impact of sugar and high sugar diets on our mental health. Really, there's a lot of good research coming out on, you know, how high sugar diet can contribute to increased risk for anxiety and depression. You know, I think the main issue is because of, you know, the way that fructose is metabolized in our body, and it's different than other types of sugars that we may consume. And again, you know, this overconsumption due to just the amount of high fructose corn syrup that's and put into our food is leading to all of these health problems because it's preferentially metabolized by the liver. Right. So what happens is that, you know, we're cons- over consuming it. We're not using that for energy as its main purpose really is. So then any excess gets converted to fat and starts to kind of bog down our liver, which is our body's main detoxifying organ. So it can't do its job of helping to detoxify, you know, our body from excess hormones, cholesterol, toxins. And we just start to see this spiral effect when it comes to our health. And and how, how is that different from other types of sugar? Yeah. So other types of sugar, glucose, for example, is metabolized in, you know, other parts of our body, right? Different types of muscles and not just the liver. So essentially what happens when you consume sugar is that your body breaks it down into glucose. We use whatever we need for our energy and any excess, a little bit can get stored in the muscles as glycogen for later energy, but that storage is pretty minimal. We can only store a limited amount. Any excess of that will get converted to fat. With glucose in particular, the conversion to fat is actually down-regulated slightly when the body notices that it's happening a lot. There's a high rate of conversion. Fructose doesn't have that biofeedback mechanism. So it doesn't slow down that conversion at all. So if you are over-consuming fructose and you're not using it for energy, it's going to get converted to fat. The other issue that research has really showed us over you know, the past several years is that fructose, because it bypasses normal digestion in the intestine, it doesn't stimulate the hunger and satiety hormones in the same way that other types of sugar or glucose does. So gram for gram, if you were consuming 100 grams of glucose versus 100 grams of fructose, 
fructose, you're actually going to feel much more satisfied and satiated by that glucose. So again, you know, because our foods are so high in this fructose sugar, we're eating high amounts of sugar, but we're not feeling satisfied by it. So we're still hungry for more and we continue to kind of overeat. So that's really another main issue with how different types of sugar can actually, even though we're consuming technically the same amount of calories, have a very different effect on our body, its metabolism, fat storage, and ultimately our health. Right. And, and how do you think sugar also compares to other types of carbohydrates, be it complex or simple carbs? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, to a certain extent, at the end of the day, all carbohydrates break down into sugar. Obviously, foods that are more complex and contain fiber, which our body can't break down, that breakdown process is going to be much slower. So our blood sugar levels are not going to spike as much. So at the end of the day, it's more of a difference in, you know, how much of an insulin response that carbohydrate promotes. So kind of those higher glycemic carbohydrates are going to impact our blood sugar a lot more those refined carbohydrates, right, we're going to get that spike of blood sugar that high amount of insulin response, whereas lower glycemic carbohydrates that contain much more fiber are going to get a much smaller spike to our blood sugar. So we're going to have much more stable long-term energy. We're not going to get that same spike, that same right. high amount of insulin. Now, pretty much all types of sugar are high glycemic. Now, how much should we really consume, if any at all? I, I think WHO recommends an intake about of 10% of our dietary calories, which still amounts to about seven to nine teaspoons of sugar, or I think about two cups of orange juice. And personally, I wonder, like, isn't that already too much? Like when I think about ancestral diets, we were rarely exposed to this amount of sugar even. A hundred percent. I agree with you. I think the biggest thing that I see is just a general overconsumption of sugar. And I would also just say carbohydrate. But yeah, I mean, my personal belief is that, you know, it's a different type of a recommendation. It's not necessarily telling you that you should eat 10% of your calories. It's more of a recommendation that if you are consuming sugar, keep it to no more than 10%. Personally, I think, you know, the least amount of sugar you can include in your diet, the better at the end of the day. Right. And then if you must consume sugars, like which sugars would you uh, recommend um, outside of you know, those you would find in processed foods, of course? Generally, I recommend using lower glycemic and less refined sugars. So maple syrup, blackstrap molasses, coconut sugar, date sugar, those tend to have less of a glycemic effect on the body. Obviously, again, I'm hyper conscious of kind of the fructose concentration of different types of sugars. So even a lower glycemic sugar like agave has a really high fructose concentration. So that's not something I actually generally recommend to a lot of my clients, I prefer that they just use maple syrup, a little bit of cane sugar, and really get a lot of their sweetness just from naturally sweet foods. Yeah, what is your take of getting your sweetness from from well, fructose from from fruits? Um, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, some of them can be also relatively high uh, in, in terms of their glycemic index, like pineapple, mango, I think bananas are pretty high. What is your take on those? Yeah, great question. So I do think, you know, fructose from fruits, in my opinion, is very different than 
high fructose corn syrup. Obviously, the high fructose corn syrup is much more concentrated. The fruit has fiber and things like that. However, again, portion size really does matter, especially when we're talking about glycemic index. Really, the serving size of fruit is half a cup. Most people don't know that and, you know, eat a lot more than that. And it's not always, you know, our fault, right? Like a banana is technically two servings of fruit if it's a large kind of eight inch banana. So really some things that I work on with my clients is kind of focusing more on the portion and serving of fruits and carbohydrates in general, in addition to the types of carbohydrates that they are consuming. Right. Some people also prefer alternatives to uh, regular sugars, sweeteners, and there's quite a few, well, artificial, but also natural sweeteners. I mean, also like the artificial side, sucralose, natural one, monk, monk fruit sweeteners or stevia. Mm -hmm. um, what is your take regarding those? I'm not a huge fan of artificial sweeteners, mostly because they're often 200 to 600 times as sweet as sugar. So they're still kind of stimulating that dopamine, that reward response in our brain. And a lot of the research shows that they perpetuate these cravings for sugar. And because we're not getting the calories associated with them, they actually lead to, you know, kind of compensatory eating later on. Also, you know, gut health is a huge topic right now in nutrition. And there is a lot of research on how these artificial sweeteners negatively impact the health of our gut microbiome. So generally speaking, I utilize them only in kind of the weaning process, if necessary, things like monk fruit and stevia, I think are definitely the best options available to people, but I still recommend them in moderation. Got it. Are you feeling sluggish, weighed down, or mindlessly eating and in need of new healthy habits? The groundbreaking five-day prolonged fasting mimicking diet is so much more than a diet. It's a whole new way of approaching nutrition and life through fasting. Prolon triggers your body's natural rejuvenation process from within. You feel lighter, improve your energy and mental clarity, lose weight and belly fat, and reduce your food cravings. And when you do multiple consecutive rounds of Prolon, you rejuvenate your cells, which supports healthy aging. It's the only nutrition program in the world that mimics a fast. The tasty, specially designed, gluten-free, plant-based food keeps you in a fasting state. Over 20 years in the making and developed by the prestigious University of Southern California Longevity Institute and the National Institute of Health, it's redefined what fasting means. You eat, your body fasts. Ready, set, rejuvenate with Prolon. For more info, go to prolonfast.com and use our code 20FIT for 20% off your first order. That's 20FIT, 20FIT for 20% off your first order. Well, let's talk about the weaning process because, you know, like we're going to be waiting for a long time for our government to really address this epidemic. Now, what can we on an individual level do to fight sugar cravings and endless exposure to sugary products? What would you recommend there? Yeah, so I think, first of all, it's important to know that we really can break this dopamine, you know, sugar craving cycle. It just takes some time and your taste buds will adjust to not eating as much sugar, you know, even for myself now, sometimes when I eat like a piece of cake or something, it's so sweet that it's honestly not even appetizing. But really, I like to kind of lean into the use of certain products like Sugar Breaks Resist Strip to help my clients during that 
two week process while they're trying to wean off of sugar and break that cycle. Cause it truly is addicting, right? There's so much research on how sugar is as addicting as, you know, illicit drugs because of the way that it's stimulating that yeah. dopamine center. And because of the ability to really kind of build up a tolerance at the end of the day to sugar. So you really do feel like these symptoms of withdrawal when you're trying to cut it out. You know, I often will have my clients do almost like a two week, no sugar, very strict diet. I personally believe kind of going cold turkey is the best way to actually approach it. And I think it depends on how much temptation you have. I think once you go cold turkey, you will have maybe some cravings early on, but if you don't see it, you will stop missing actually that sensation. I think that that dopamine kick when you consume sugar. And really focusing on creating balance in terms of the meal structure, making sure they're eating enough throughout the day so that blood sugar is staying stable and they aren't having these crazy spikes and dips that are leading to cravings. Obviously, additional lifestyle factors such as sleep, that is super important in terms of, again, those hunger and satiety hormones and different types of cravings, right? Like there's research that shows that if you get less than six hours of sleep a night and a half hours, it actually perpetuates some of those cravings for sugar. Yeah, you're going to be low on energy and your body's going to be craving for this extra kick to, to feel energized. Uh, I mean, for some people that's coffee, but for some it's even worse, coffee and a lot of sugar in the morning. Right, exactly. And really making sure they're starting their day with a protein rich breakfast to stabilize blood sugar and make sure again, that kind of craving Savings are being kept at bay. And I do think it takes a lot of education, right? Because sugar is virtually in all processed packaged foods, you know, really being aware of the hidden sources of sugar in your diet and how you can maybe replace them with less processed foods on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good piece of advice. Now you touched up on sugar break and I think you're on the scientific advisory board of, of the company and they've been working on a non-prescription support system that really lets you curb your sugar intake and manage your blood sugar. And from what I've seen, they, they utilize some herbal extracts like uh, Gymnema Sylvester and white mulberry extract to really uh, block the absorption of glucose, but also increase insulin sensitivity. Yeah, I would love to learn more about what, what they actually do. And maybe that's also something that could be of interest to our listeners to incorporate in their own diet. Yeah. So Sugar Break has three products that are all natural, non-prescription ways that you can manage your blood sugar. So their first product is called Resist, and it essentially functions like a Listerine strip that you can use, you know, as needed whenever you have a sugar craving. And essentially the strip blocks the kind of dopamine reward response in the brain. So it rids that kind of craving that you're having. It also kind of, um, blocks your taste receptors. So anything that you actually put on your tongue that's sweet tastes kind of bitter. So it has a little bit of, in my opinion, kind of a Pavlovian side to it as well, where like if you were to eat something sweet, it doesn't taste good. So you're like, I'm not going to eat anything because it won't taste good. It reminds me of a thing that my mom used to do for my sister who was always biting her nails. She put like this tincture on her nails and then she didn't want to, you know, bite bite them anymore. And it feels like a similar thing. Like you you, you take sugar break resistant and suddenly that that piece of cheesecake tastes like, I don't know, a bit of sourdough or something. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. It's actually, you know, I've obviously I use it with a lot of my clients, but I've personally tried it just to kind of test it out. And it really is like this weird sensation, but it works. I mean, it's your cravings immediately go away. And really, you know, most cravings only last people for about 15 or 20 minutes. And the sensation lasts for about an hour. So it really gets you through that, you know, intense craving period. And I really use it during kind of that two week weaning period for people to help them break the cycle, because I think it is important for people to know that, you know, it's not that you have a lack of willpower, right? Like, yeah, it really is this, you know, addictive cycle and the, this very physiological response that, you know, yeah, like that dependency. we don't necessarily, yeah, we don't necessarily have control over. So, you know, I like to utilize these uh, products to help people really break through, you know, the cycle. And, and what's the science behind it? Like, how does it actually block um, those taste receptors? Yeah. So again, this Jamima Silvestre actually kind of mimics sugar. So it's able to kind of block where the sugar molecule would normally stimulate uh, that dopamine response. Right. Okay. So it's like it's blocked and sugar can come in and it will taste like nothing, basically. Yeah. It's kind of a weird sensation, but, you know, once you get used to it, it really can be a life changing product in terms of being able to actually stick with your goal of cutting out sugar. And where do you see like the benefits like of actually cutting off out, out your sugar out, out of your own uh, diet? If our listeners are thinking about it, hey, maybe I'm actually having more than those nine teaspoons of sugar. What do I have to gain from it? So again, I think, you know, there's so much research on how sugar negatively impacts both our physical and our mental health. And it, it can be hard when maybe you don't have any current health symptoms, or you don't suffer from any chronic diseases. But I do think it is important to kind of think about the long term bigger picture when it comes to our health. And I tell people this all the time. But I think the number one thing you can do to support your health is cut back or for the most part out added sugar and just replace it with real whole food. Great. Yeah. I mean, any other suggestions that you would like to make of uh, what our listeners can try to really cut sugar out of their life? Yeah. From more of a food perspective, I definitely think just, you know, trying to switch to unsweetened versions of the foods that you buy. So again, you know, yogurts are a big one that I see a lot. Things like instant oatmeal, even again, these a lot of the times are kind of like foods that are promoted as healthy, right? unsweetened almond milk versus regular almond milk, salad dressings and pasta sauces, barbecue sauces. Those are all really big sugar offenders. So really trying to either make sauces and condiments at home or just look for brands that say no added sugar, don't include any sugar. And then I think beverages, oh, yeah. huge, huge, huge source, of sugar. source of sugar. And that was initially kind of how sugar was introduced into our diet in more of a processed way. So really being conscious of eating your calories, not drinking them, I tell people, trying to stick to water, seltzer, and, you know, non-sugar containing beverages at the end of the day. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I can only attest to that. I mean, it can be extremely revealing just, you know, next time on your next shopping trip, when you go to the supermarket, just look at all the labels and you will be surprised how much sugar is actually in all these different food items. And if you want to get, go one step further, track your diet for like two weeks and you will find out how much sugar you actually consume on average. And I know some people, they go even like another step further and they use a continuous glucose monitor to really see how how their body actually responds in terms of the glycemic response to their dietary intake. Yeah, and it definitely, I think food manufacturers are smart. They make it tricky. A lot of times it won't say sugar when you actually look at the ingredient list. There are over 61 names for sugar. So, you know, they'll hide it kind of as something else and to the average person that's not really like looking yeah. at the ingredients list that closely, you know, they don't, oh, they don't say sugar. So, you know, there must not be sugar in this product. Yeah. I once saw a meme that there's like, I don't know, over 50 different names for sugar, you know, from, well, agave nectar to beet sugar, prawn sugar, castor sugar, corn syrup, solid state sugar, golden syrup, glucose, galactose, what else? Maltose. There's yeah, so many, right? Corn syrup, yeah, dextrose. So, you know, they are making it a little bit better in the US now by requiring food labeling to include added sugar. So that's definitely something you can look out for when you are shopping for products. But personally, I think at the end of the day, trying to eat more whole foods and just cut back on your processed food is the simplest way you can cut out or cut back on added sugar. Because again, 75% of added sugar in our diet is coming from these packaged processed foods. Awesome. Well, Colin Rosenblum, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, that wraps up another edition of 20 Minute Fitness. As you can tell, I consider sugar mostly empty calories, really empty calories without any nutritional value. When I eat sugar though, I try to keep it mostly to fruits such as berries, kiwis, bell peppers, and apples. And it's pretty hard to consume huge amounts of sugar this way unless you munch away on high glycemic fruits like mangoes, pineapples, and bananas. But still, it's a far cry away from consuming just four pounds of sugar a year, which would equal a mere five grams of sugar per day. Imagine that five grams of sugar. And when you think about it, it probably wasn't even that difficult around that day and age because just imagine a world without any processed foods or fruits available only during summer days and probably reserved for special occasions. Then yes, you find yourself hard pressed to have consumed any more than that. These days, however, you walk to a supermarket and you have a greater choice and available foods than probably the Chinese emperor, Russian czar or the British king would have had. So imagine that. I doubt we will ever go back to those days and, and sugar is really just at the tip of the iceberg of what's wrong with our food industry. But I sure hope that they will change for the better in the years ahead or somebody will force them to become better. Till then, the responsibility is in your hands to check the labels and consume sugar within reason. If you want to learn more about the sugar epidemic, you should definitely check out some of the documentaries we've included in the show notes, namely That Sugar Film, Fed Up, Eating You Alive, and Sugar Crash, all linked to on 20minute.fitness. You can also take up the conversation on social media. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Shape20Fit. And if you enjoy the show, please, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. 
Your review helps other listeners to learn more about our show. And of course, your feedback is always highly appreciated. If you have done that already, please consider telling a friend or family member about this show if you think they would get something out of it. If you think they had maybe too much sugar in their life, now is the time to listen to 20 Minute Fitness. This is Martin Kessler, 20 Minute Fitness is mixed by Lila Lasso and produced by Shape here in San Francisco. As always, thank you for your continued support. Stay fit and healthy. And until next time.